Did you know Planned Parenthood told us in 1969 exactly what they wanted to do? And then they started doing it. Destroy marriages, sterilize the masses, encourage homosexuality, attack large families, incentivize small families, get women out into the workplace and not being mothers, and decide how many children you get to have. These eugenicists have never changed. In fact, they've only gotten more evil. Join us as we go back to 1969 and uncover what the liberal establishment doesn't want you to discover. I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. Welcome to the show today, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Buckle up. This is a sick treat that we have unearthed for you. People have talked about it for years, but it's never gotten the attention or coverage it should have because it exposes who Planned Parenthood has always been. Sometimes they say the quiet part out loud. Maya Angelou said when someone shows you who they are and tells you who they are, believe them. And Planned Parenthood did this nearly 55 years ago, and they're doing it still today. If you enjoy the show, if you benefited from this episode and podcast and you appreciate this show, please go to iTunes, give us five stars, leave a rating. It really helps the show grow and it helps us reach more people. Send this episode to a pro-choice friend. Get them uncomfortable with the kind of organizations and ideas that they support because they're certainly not going to hear the truth about the culture of death and Planned Parenthood like we go into it here at Unaborted. We want to give a thank you to our sponsor, our exclusive sponsor right now, of Unaborted with Seth Gruber, Every Life Diaper Company. This is America's pro-life diaper company. <laughs> Listen, Hello Baby, uh, Coterie, uh, Huggies, uh, all of them. Uh, support, financially or rhetorically, the abortion industry. And I'm just going to keep saying this because it is, it is such a bonkers, wild aspect of woke corporatism and ideology because ideology will make you go further than you wanted to go and make you pay more than you wanted to pay ideology will make you do asinine stupid things because it blinds you to the rest of the real world chesterton talked about how like idolatry is actually the elevation of one christian virtue to the exclusion of all others and because the virtues need each other but if you just lift up like i don't know tolerance to the exclusion of all of the other virtues, it makes you go insane. That's what's happened to woke corporatism. That's why companies would help slaughter and celebrate the murder of their clientele base. More babies, more diapers. Why would they fund the killing of babies and sell less diapers? Uh, that's called the woke mind virus. That's called secular humanism. Um, and that is the culture of death today. We participate in our own and children's destruction when we fund people who would love nothing more than to abort us as well. If you want to build a culture of life, go to everylife.com, everylife.com. Use promo code SETH10 for all of your diapers and wipes, or diapers and wipes for your grandkids, or diapers and wipes from your adult children, or diapers and wipes for your loved ones. Get diapers from everylife.com. We just got our first shipment in. They're great. They're awesome. They don't leak. They're very comfortable. And they're pro-life. And they give some of their profits back to pro-life organizations like the White Rose Resistance and like Pregnancy Resource Center. Okay, um, everylife.com promo code Seth10 and you get 10% off your first order, Seth10, and you tell them that we sent you and you then support us as well. Um, so thank you, Every Life. Please, guys, this is how we win. This is the way. Um, you have to fund a culture of life. Planned Parenthood told us in 1969 exactly what they wanted to do, and then they went ahead and did it. And people are still sleeping through this culture of death and complaining and whining about how we got here. You know, we look at these stories like um, the first thing the Biden administration did within the first month or so that Biden entered the White House uh, was to drop this lawsuit against a Vermont hospital. Under the Trump era, a, uh, a nurse at a, a Catholic nurse at a Vermont hospital was told that she needed to come in and assist with an abortion, assist with the killing of a baby. To her regret, she complied. She regretted it horrifically, and she filed a lawsuit against the hospital. And this was under Trump's HHS, um, 
the the OCR, the Office of Civil uh, Rights and Liberties. And it was one of the most clear-cut cases of conscience violations in American jurisprudence. I mean, literally, they told this woman, kill babies or else, or else you, you're fired. You don't have a career here. Um, the, the first thing the Biden administration does is drop that lawsuit against a Vermont hospital. They're communicating, you will kill babies or else. Uh, over 11 pro-life sidewalk counselors have been arrested since September of 2022, including Mark Houck, who had 30 FBI agents outside his home, dragged away in ankle and, and, and handcuffs, brought back the same afternoon. It was just Attorney General Merrick Garland and the and the Leviathan flexing their tentacles to send a message to the post-Roe v. Wade pro-life movement that you better know your place. Um, the, the, the Leviathan and the follow the science unaccountable agencies that seem to govern us have recently floated this idea that if uh, pro-life OBGYNs and, and doctors share abortion misinformation, um, that they could have their medical licenses revoked. Now, now, who gets to define what what abortion information is and abortion misinformation? I think you know the answer to that question. The liberal establishment, the secular media, the Democrat Party, and the fact checkers, which is really just a way for the left to give the veneer of scientific credibility to their lies and bad ideas. And there's a long history of fact checking being wielded as a political cudgel by the left to silence their political opponents. Uh, okay, that, that's we're just scratching the surface, right? Right. Uh, pro-life pregnancy centers getting burned to the ground. Uh, Planned Parenthood, the largest provider of cross-sex hormones and puberty blockers in America. Um, so if they can't kill the baby in the womb, they'll depopulate the earth by sterilizing young people who are celebrated as heroes of the Republic when they announce that they're the other gender. And then they get a bunch of, yeah, slay queen and attaboys and congratulations and encouragements from the entire culture um, when they announce their sexual delusions. Why is all of this happening? Why is Planned Parenthood so involved in all of this weird, kooky evil? Well, they told us. They told us a lot of what they wanted to do a long, long time ago. Have you ever heard of the... Commission on Population Growth and the American Future. Commission on Population Growth and the American Future. Uh, my guess is you probably have not heard of that, right? <laughs> well, uh, my, my friend Claire Chambers, who we did a special four-part series with that you got to go back on this podcast and listen to called The Mom Who Exposed the Sexual Revolutionary Cabal in 1976. Um, she explains what was happening in America in like 68, 69, 1968, 1969, in regards to the, the, the depopulation movement, and you know what I'm referring to, right? The people who say, there's too many people on planet Earth. And so the sun god's really angry at us because we keep, to quote Margaret Sanger, swarming and spawning, <laughs> swarming and spawning. You're reproducing too much. You're having too many babies. And uh, overpopulation um, harms the environment. And that causes climate change. And so the sun god is very angry at you. Mother Gaia is pissed, right? All of these leftist sort of uh, academics and revolutionaries who have for decades like predicted like international chaos and starvation around the world, unless you gave them all of your political rights because they need all those emergency powers because to solve such a overwhelming um, uh, coming destruction we need overwhelming political power we got to meet strength with strength so just give us all your political rights and then we'll solve the overpopulation impending crisis uh, and then you never get your political rights back right like all these people have been predicting this for decades and decades it never materializes and yet they continue to spout this so i mean this really goes back to thomas malthus um at like the end of the 1700s early 1800s kind of the first uh, Anthony Fauci, follow the science, public health that predicted uh, national starvation because food production can't keep up with population growth. That's what he claimed. It never came true. It kind of starts with him. You get a lot of people over over the decades. OK, um, but fast track to the 60s, 69, 70, 68, 69 with some of these population committees actually like created by presidents that that's how like um wrapped up they were in this frenzied fear about international chaos now how many people actually believe that well i think the i think the academics and revolutionaries at the higher echelons of the culture war always knew this was um uh crap <laughs> to put it uh, in pg-13 language uh bunk um lies but it manipulates people into believing these frenzied lies that create hysteria around 
a future that they think their grandchildren won't inherit because of how irresponsible we are with private jets and cow farts. Now, is there climate change? Yes, we know there is climate change. Is it is it an international crisis that's coming down onto humanity in the next five to ten years if we don't give away all of our political rights? No. And and, and Mother Nature, God's world, uh, tends to heal itself, actually. Now, that doesn't mean you should just be irresponsible and stupid. That's not what I'm saying. Um we, we should always be stewards of what God's given us. But but the, but this frenzied lies about, you know, impending doom and every ice cap melting and the sea levels rising so suddenly and, and massively that all the homes on the California coast are going to are going to be buried, which is probably actually probably would be a pretty good thing. Right. Let's just cut off that segment of California, send it into the ocean. Um, th these things have never happened. OK, but they go back a long, long ways. And so if you want to know what Planned Parenthood started um, promising and the goals that they were laying out in 1969, we kind of need to – we kind of need to frame the timbers and go back and give you some historical context that kind of led into some of these frenzied depopulation goals that were often coming from some of the highest levels of government, actually. Okay. It's not all that different than today. So as my friend Claire Chambers explains, on July 18th, 1969, in an unprecedented message to Congress on population, President Nixon, by the way, I, I went to Nixon's alma mater. I graduated from Whittier High School. Uh, President Nixon called on Congress and the American people to recognize the so-called population crisis in both the U.S. and the world, climaxing his remarks by saying, I today propose the creation by Congress of a commission on population growth and the American future. In the next breath, the president reiterated the belief of his administration, saying that, quote, the United Nations is and its specialized agencies and other international bodies should take the leadership in responding to world population growth, adding, quote, the United States will cooperate fully with their programs. Um, from prior episodes, are you guys starting to realize like how much bad stuff the United Nations does? <laughs> uh, acting favorably on President Nixon's message, the Congress passed Public Law 91-213 on March 16, 1970, establishing a presidential commission on population growth in the American future with a mandate to conduct an extensive inquiry concerning both the present and future population growth rate in America and to, quote, formulate policy for the future designed to deal with the pervasive impact of population growth on every facet of American life. Under this new law, the president was empowered to appoint the members of the commission and to designate its chairman and vice chairman. And like the 1968 president's committee on population and family planning under the Johnson administration, Nixon's 24 member commission was stacked with individuals dedicated to the population control movement and associated with the one world humanist socialist cartel. In other words, translating for you all of the people behind the commission on population growth in the american future were part of a radical set of eugenicists who wanted to depopulate the earth and usher in a one world government with the political power to quote unquote solve this alleged impending crisis and doom approaching humanity and among the members, staff, and consultants on this Commission on Population Growth in the American Future, started by Nixon in 1969, included some of the following people. We're not going to go through the whole list, but this is going to set the tone. You need to know a couple of these names to understand this memo I'm about to tell you about from 1969, where Planned Parenthood literally lays out every strategy and potential solution that they're entertaining in order to radically depopulate the earth. This goes all the way back to 1969 and before, of course, but this is when Planned Parenthood said the quiet part out loud, certainly. Guess who was the commission chairman for the Commission on Population Growth in the American Future. John D. Rockefeller III. Uh, yeah, that shouldn't surprise you at all. The Rockefellers have been behind funding all of the just the most evil crap from this time period. Um, the chairman, uh, you also had Joseph Beasley, a doctor and chairman of Planned Parenthood and member of the Population Crisis Committee. Okay. You had David E. Bell 
executive vice president of the Ford Foundation. Now, listen, like the Rockefeller Foundation, the Ford Foundation devoted 10% of its income. So they tithed. They tithed to the so-called population crisis. Now, here's an important name. Dr. Bernard Berelson. This is this is where this Planned Parenthood 1969 memo is going to take us. So you need to remember Dr. Bernard Berelson, president of the Population Council. Yeah, go Google the Population Council. Bunch of freaking eugenicists, okay? He was a fellow of the humanist-oriented Rockefeller Foundation, a former director of the Ford Foundation's Behavioral Sciences Division, and Bernard Berelson was technical advisor to the 1968, one year before, the 1968 President's Committee on Population and Family Planning under Johnson. Berylson has been affiliated with the National Council of American Soviet Friendship and cited by former Attorney General Tom Clark as a communist, okay, Dr. Bernard Berylson. There was Charles Westhoff, who was a member of the National Advisory Council of Planned Parenthood and authors of books recommended by Planned Parenthood. There was Daniel Callahan, author of Abortion, Law, Choice, and Morality, a book financed by grants from the Ford Foundation and Rockefeller Population Council. There was Paul Ehrlich, who I've talked a lot about in my talks and on this podcast. Paul Ehrlich wrote the 1968 book, The Population Bomb, um, which was financed by the Ford Foundation and which predicted... Worldwide starvation and chaos within 30 years if massive depopulation measures weren't taken. <laughs> About 30 years later in the 90s, yeah, in the 90s when I was born, the world population had doubled from the time he wrote his book. Malnutrition was at an all-time low, and we were the fattest generation in American history. <laughs> but follow the science. Paul Ehrlich sat on the board of Planned Parenthood. No surprises there. Um, and... His book incited international policy changes around the world because of the fear that he stoked regarding the chaos he predicted if people didn't follow his depopulation strategy advice. So you had Prime Minister of uh, India, Indira Gandhi, start linking access to food, water, and healthcare to your sterilization status. It was the COVID vaccine passport of its day. In other words, oh, you want water and food and healthcare? Can you show me that your tubes have been tied, mom? Or can you show me that you've been snipped, dude? Like, how sick is that, right? And then China's one-child policy, <laughs> which only resulted in 100 million murdered unborn babies. 100 million murdered unborn babies. And tens of millions of women forcibly sterilized because of the crackpot theories of Paul Ehrlich. Okay, are you seeing the problem here? These are the kind of people sitting on Nixon's Commission on Population Growth in the American Future. Either members, staff, or consultants. Are you seeing it? One more name. Frederick Jaffe. I don't know how to exactly pronounce his last name. It's spelled J-A-F-F-E. Frederick Yaff or Jaffe. Um, he was a special consultant on the committee, and he was the vice president of Planned Parenthood, okay? And a technical advisor as well to Johnson's 1968 President's Committee on Population and Family Planning. So two names to reiterate to you right now from this committee. Bernard Berelson and Frederick Jaffe, okay? Bernard Berelson, president of the Population Council, and Frederick Jaffe, VP of Planned Parenthood. There was a March 11th, 1969 memo that we'll show you in, in just a little bit here. A March 11th, 1969 memo from the Center for Family Planning Program Development. I know this is a lot of uh, kind of language and history. The Center for Family Planning Program Development, which was the Technical Assistance Division of Planned Parenthood World Population. The Technical Assistance Division of Planned Parenthood World Population. Yes, you heard me correctly. At one time, Planned Parenthood's name was PPWP, Planned Parenthood, world population. You see, they had actually merged with the uh, World Population Emergency Coalition or something like that council. And so they just merged and they called themselves Planned Parenthood World Population. It's literally in the title, guys. You're not like a conspiracy theorist, tin hat wearing weirdo for saying, I think Planned Parenthood wants to reduce the earth 
and population by baby killing. There's like, it was literally in their name, Planned Parenthood World Population. We're planning parenthood around world population, okay? Like, come on, it's just slapping you in the face, all right? So this March 11th, 1969 memo was written by Frederick Jaffe, the vice president of Planned Parenthood, <laughs> okay? Written to Bernard Berelson, the president of the Population Council. The topic was entitled, Activities Relevant to the Study of Population Policy for the United States. Activities Relevant to the Study of Population Policy for the United States. And in the memo, VP of Planned Parenthood Jaffe responded to questions regarding a potential national population policy, a potential national population policy, its reasons for implementation, and the methods that could be implemented. They literally entertained very specific recommendations on the methods that could be entertained and implemented to reduce the population gain in the United States, okay? And at the end of the memo, Jaffe includes this chart of suggested possible depopulation methods based on research papers and conferences that he had put together, including a 1964 book called Too Many Americans. <laughs> that, was, that was a good name of the book. Too Many Americans, okay? So we're going to go through some of the highlights of these, and then, and then at the end, we'll show you the screenshot of the, like, the very actual screenshot of those suggested depopulation methods that the vice president of Planned Parenthood had put together in this letter and memo to Dr. Bernard Berelson, the president of the Population Council. Could the agenda be more clear? Could their relationships be more clear and intentional? Okay, so here's just some highlights from this depopulation um, agenda. And uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and, and make sure we, we get a link to the PDF for you guys in the show notes so you can actually see this, okay? So here's some of the the, the statements he makes in, in this memo. Just let's let, you know, let's hear it from the horse's mouth. He says, the arguments advanced to justify an explicit U.S. policy now of encouraging a specific universal limit on family size center mainly on two propositions. Proposition one, continued U.S. population growth will inevitably cause the deterioration in the quality of life of this and future generations. This can be described as the ecological position. Number two, an explicit U.S. policy to encourage or compel smaller family size in the U.S. is necessary to enable our government effectively to encourage or compel developing nations to move in similar directions. This may be termed the international public relations policy. So these are very intentional conversations uh, Planned Parenthood was having in the 60s regarding how to depopulate the world and the country. And so they talk about economic theory and policy. And this is where it gets really interesting. Listen to this. He says, a special case is the area of economic policy because, he says, it is widely believed that population growth is indispensable to economic growth, which is a duh, right? Like if you want to grow economically and fiscally, the more people you have, the more people that are working, your GDP grows. He says it's widely believed that population growth is indispensable to economic growth. Whether we like it or not, he says, this is probably the controlling idea in the business community and among many economists. And it is highly unlikely that a population policy aimed at lower rates of growth will be adopted until this concept is replaced. What concept? The concept that population growth is indispensable to economic growth. So what he's saying, he's saying, people aren't going to buy our BS regarding our depopulation goals as long as they continue to believe the concept that population growth is needed for economic growth. So we're going to have to replace that, right? He says that it, it won't be adopted until this concept is replaced. So he says two approaches are suggested. So before we go into those, like just like how intentional is this? Like this is very careful political crafting and strategies to accomplish what has been Planned Parenthood's goal since their inception, which is to depopulate the, the earth and specifically those of whom are deemed unfit or undesirable. They say a study, we could do a study tracing the function of population growth and the models propounded by economic theorists. The aim of the study should be to answer this question. Among the theories of economic growth in advanced countries, which control policy and business decision making today, is continued population growth an indispensable or dispensable element? So they're just saying they want to do a study to ask advanced countries if they believe 
Um, uh, if they believe that continued population growth is needed in their civilization. Encouragement of work by appropriate economic theorists to develop a substitute for population growth in the current controlling models. So th they actually want to offer a substitute for population growth. And lastly, they say the studies outlined above would shed light on the effects on population trends of some existing public policies, identify the interests benefiting from these policies, and hopefully identify some points for intervention to encourage lower fertility without the adoption of an explicit population policy. So let me translate that for you, okay? Most people won't believe the BS we're selling that strong and thriving countries limit the number of children families can have. So let's find a way to use science to illustrate that sacrificing your children to the sun god can actually improve quality of life and overall economic growth. <laughs> That's what they're saying. Let's do let's do R&D, let's do research, let's do questionnaires and let's find a way of replacing this theory people have that population growth is indispensable to economic growth and see if we can get them to buy our crap and to buy what we're selling, that really it doesn't matter. It actually strong and thriving countries significantly limit their population. Of course, China one child policy is the, is the greatest example of this. They believe that they needed to radically reduce the number of children being born in order to have a prosperous future. And in just a second here, we're going to get into exactly the kind of changes China's now making because of the chaos that they caused by their own policies. The very policies that Planned Parenthood is writing in a memo here in 1969 that they want the whole world to adopt. Are, are you are you seeing it now? Now, listen, this this is actually true in the short term. This idea they're trying to sell that like that 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 good and thriving families and civilizations and countries radically limit the number of children families can have. This this is true in the short term. A woman who kills her babies through abortion in order to keep her full-time job in corporate America will experience greater economic mobility and the company will benefit from her dead child. This is why Companies after the overturning of Roe v. Wade came out announcing, you guys remember this, I mean, it was sick, totally sick, that they were going to pay for the abortions of their female employees, even if they had to fly them to a more pro-abortion state, if they were in a more conservative state that had put radical restrictions on getting abortions. They were saying, we will pay for you to go kill your child. Just get back here soon and keep making the widgets, you know, keep grinding away, climbing the corporate ladder and enriching our company and corporation, because geez Louise, if you have a baby, I have to pay for maternity, you know, I, I, your, your maternity leave, then how, how long is it going to take you to come back? You know, uh, if you have to take time off because you have a sick kid and you're a single mom, you got to care for your kid. Now, these, these companies would lose a lot of economic mobility and strength by incentivizing larger families and incentivizing mothers to, to, to actually be mothers and, and let their children live. So in the short term, that's actually true. Like you can have greater economic mobility and strength by killing your babies through abortion. But in the long run, you're sowing the seeds of your or your posterity's own destruction. But what do I mean by this? Uh, civilizations don't survive that remain indefinitely below replacement rate. Civilizations don't survive that remain indefinitely under replacement rate. Do you understand me? And no civilization has survived when the pagan sacraments of sex and child sacrifice replace the family and personal sacrifice. Uh, he, he, this was a this is a phenomenal book, and nobody has kind of better articulated this than our good brother Bill Federer, who we need to get back on the show sometime. Bill Federer, the American historian, Christian brother. Uh, I believe his most recent book is uh, Socialism from Plato to Present going through every socialist attempt and and political regime. And he Bill Federer talks about um, J.D. Unwin's book, Sex and Culture. J.D. Unwin's book, Sex and Culture, written in 1934 by Oxford anthropologist J.D. Unwin, in which after studying 86 civilizations over 5,000 years, he found a 100% correlation... <laughs> A 100% correlation between monogamous heterosexual marriage and cultural advancement. Oh, shocker! A 100% correlation between monogamous heterosexual marriage and cultural advancement and a 100% correlation between sexual promiscuity and the decline of a civilization. 
okay? Shouldn't surprise you, even if you're not a Christian, okay? Even if you don't believe that that's like God's plan and family is a good thing and you should be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Even if you don't believe that, you should be able to recognize that sleeping with everyone and then killing your babies to free up your sexual preferred lifestyle and avoid the personal responsibilities that flow from your sexual choices probably doesn't take a civilization to a good place. Um, so by tolerating and allowing this Planned Parenthood architected depopulation agenda, you may, you may enjoy some temporary 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 <laughs> economic mobility and strength but in the long run you're screwed and you and your children and grandchildren will be screwed as well uh, but they have been building this and implementing this agenda for a very very long time um we do not have an overpopulation problem we have an underpopulation problem uh, in America. Um, listen, listen very carefully. European countries right now are reversing course very quickly and attempting to incentivize their people to have more babies because they have an underpopulation problem. Why? Because they're practically proving through their policy prescriptions and incentives what I just told you that a civilization will not survive that remains indefinitely under replacement rate. That is a truism. It always has been. For example, Hungary is currently offering to eliminate the income tax for life. <laughs> for life. For families who have four children or more. Did you know that? Hungary is currently offering to eliminate the income tax for life. For families who have four children or more. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, you know, I, I'm not a believer in uh, abandoning the fight to uh, enjoy a little bit more comfort in the here and now while screwing over my grandchildren because I wouldn't fight for their liberties. But that sounds pretty good. <laughs> if uh, if uh, once they uh, have all my recorded conversations that Apple's been recording on my iPhone for decades and and this podcast has me thrown in a gulag, um, Hungary sounds pretty good. Maybe uh, maybe you all come with me over there. Uh, in August of 2022, this is interesting. In August of 2022, China moved, I told you I was going to tell you about China, moved to incentivize larger families. Yeah, the the the... <laughs> The country that murdered 100 million babies. We in America probably have killed north of 70 million children for sure. That's a conservative estimate since 1973 in a 50-year time frame. China has murdered over 100 million babies under the one-child policy. And I told you forcibly sterilized tens of millions of women. They're now incentivizing larger families because they screwed themselves through their evil policies. Measures include improved maternal health care and efforts to reduce abortions as China seeks to reverse their declining population growth. Now, China's got a lot of problems, obviously. I don't want to go there. My gosh, this social credit system, super sketch, super evil. If you're guilty of 1984 wrong speak, you know, you're just going to lose your, your, your credit score and tallies and you won't be able to participate in the economy or buy or sell. Sounds like revelation. But they're trying to incentivize larger families. Isn't that wild? China, of all the countries. But don't worry, don't worry. I'm sure Bernard Berelson and Frederick Jaffe and uh, Paul Ehrlich uh, were just the only ones to get their population theories wrong. What about, <laughs> okay, here's another good one. In 2020, according to the UN, <laughs> the garbage United Nations, Two-thirds of countries in Europe have introduced measures to increase fertility rates. Two-thirds of countries in Europe have introduced measures to increase fertility rates. From baby bonuses and tax incentives to paid parental leave with varying levels of success, but two-thirds of, Euro of, of European countries are doing this right now. What about Putin? Good old Putin. Under his proposals, first-time mothers would be eligible to receive maternity benefits previously paid only to women with two or more children. Um, welfare benefits would also be paid for children above three to seven in low-income families, and free school meals would be provided for the first four years of school. Last And then last year, in 2022, 
Putin promised tax breaks for bigger families. Tax breaks for bigger families. Over in Italy, the Italian government has tried its own financial incentives to encourage couples to have more children. But an 800 euro, I don't even know what their dollar is, payment per couple per birth launched in 2015 does not appear to have led to significant changes. And Italy still has one of the lowest fertility rates in the EU with 1.3 children per woman, 1.3 children per woman. But they have tried incentivizing larger families. And then France has the highest birth rate in the European Union. And through tax and transportation breaks, child and healthcare benefits, the French government has been aggressively pushing a pro-baby policy for years. And it's paid off in France with an average of 1.82 births per woman as of 2020 of childbearing age. France's birth rate leads Europe in an otherwise gloomy statistic for the EU. So look at all of these pro-baby incentivizing larger family policies because of a what? An under, under population problem. Okay, we, and in America, we, we're, we are flirting with colla uh, population collapse. And that's due certainly to abortions. And uh, well, if this is on YouTube, maybe we don't want to we don't want to touch that. But uh, there was a certain uh, drug that a lot of people were mandated or required to take. And it did a lot of bad things. And go listen to Dr. Jim Thorpe. Um, there's a lot of population collapse and depopulation agenda and uh, strategies being taken. And it does not bode well for the future of America. Now, let's look at this Frederick Yaffe Planned Parenthood VP memo to Dr. Bernard Berelson, the president of the Population Council, in 1969. We're going to put it up here on the screen for you for just a few seconds. Again, we'll link to it for you, but you can check it out here if you're watching the show on YouTube or Rumble. They, 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 they list out their recommended measures to reduce the population, and they're quite broad. Remember, these were came from research papers and conferences put together by Frederick Yaffe, the VP of Planned Parenthood. Um, I'm just going to read through these kind of quickly. Um, again, we'll we'll link to it, but it's kind of hard to read on the screen. These include ready for this. This is this is sick. Listen to how many ideas these eugenicists and depopulation uh, demons came up with to have less people on planet Earth. Postpone or avoid marriage. Alter image of ideal family size. Compulsory education of children. Why? Uh, because the state needs to control the kind of ideas the next generation are being led to believe. <laughs> uh, encourage increased homosexuality. By the way, I am reading these verbatim, okay? Educate for family limitation. Fertility control agents and water supply. Fertility control agents in the water supply. <laughs> encourage women to work. <laughs> Modify tax policies. Substantial marriage tax. Child tax. Tax the married more than the single. Remove parents' exemption. Additional taxes on parents with more than one or two school children. Reduce or eliminate paid maternity leave or benefits. Reduce or eliminate children's or family allowances. Bonuses for delayed marriage and greater child spacing. Pensions for women of 45 with less than N children. N meaning they hadn't picked the number, like a, a certain number of children. Pensions for women of 45 with less than a certain number of children. Eliminate welfare payments after first two children. Require women to work and provide very few childcare facilities. Like, like, who thinks like this? How sick, how sick are these people? Limit or eliminate publicly financed medical care, scholarships, housing, loans, and subsidies to families with more than a certain number of children. Compulsory abortion of out-of-wedlock pregnancies. Compulsory abortion for out-of-wedlock pregnancies. Compulsory, compulsory sterilization of all who have two children, except for a few who would be allowed three. Confine childbearing to only a limited number of adults. <laughs> they get to decide who have kids. Do you understand what that meant? Discouragement of private homeownership. 
Stop awarding public housing based on family size. Payments to encourage sterilization, meaning they're literally going to, they're going to, they're going to write you a check if you sterilize yourself. Payments to encourage contraception. Payments to encourage abortion. We're going to pay you to kill your baby. Sounds like the tax funding of abortion in America today. Abortion and sterilization on demand. Allow harmless contraceptives to be distributed non-medically. Improve contraceptive technology and make contraception truly available and accessible. I don't even know how many that is, but those are all on this VP of Planned Parenthood memo on depopulation measures. Now, there's, there was one eugenicist and population depopulation leader named Dr. Frederick Robbins. He was a noted figure in population research. This is wild. He justified Planned Parenthood's dependence on what they knew were unsafe birth control products. And this is what he said. Listen to this. The dangers of overpopulation are so great that we may have to use certain techniques of contraception that may entail considerable risk to the individual women. <laughs> so he's saying the sun god's so pissed. You're swarming and spawning way too much. Mother Gaia is about to open up a chasm and eat you all. The risks and dangers of overpopulation are so great, he's saying. He's saying we at Planned Parenthood and the depopulation movement, we may need to encourage birth control and contraceptive procedures that we know in entail very considerable risk to the individual women, but that's justified because of how dangerous the looming threat of overpopulation is. So when they say improve contraceptive technology and make it available to everyone, they're <laughs> from this time frame in 1969, they're referring to forms of contraception and birth control that they knew were very dangerous to the individual women. It's not any different today when the abortion industry specifically encourages the killing of children that they know cause incredible future health risks and endangerment to the individual women whether that's mental health, preterm labor, and subsequent pregnancies, or straight-up breast cancer, they will hide that data from you. They don't care because it allows them to line their pockets with the blood money of murdered children. So Planned Parenthood isn't just part of the population limitation movement. Pa Planned Parenthood is the population limitation movement. Are you clear on this? What did I tell you their name was before? PPWP, Planned Parenthood World Population. It was in their name. Now, we like to do history on this show. We like to look back at where we came from so we know how we got here and we know where we're going. Um, let's look at the history of this just a little bit. Addressing this same issue of overpopulation and population reduction, American humanist and sex therapist Robert Harper gave a lecture before the 77th Annual Convention of the American Psychological Association in 1969. You'll, you'll hear this. 68 and 69. Between 1965 and 1970, a lot of bad crap was happening from uh, uh, sexual revolutionaries, American humanists, and eugenicists. So he, he gives a speech before the 77th Annual Convention of the American Psychological Association, the same year that Planned Parenthood VP Frederick Yaffe writes this horrible depopulation memo. Um, and he suggested that the only way to curtail the population explosion, okay, would be for nations to take away what he called, quote, the right to reproduce, to take away, quote, the right to reproduce, whether or not it was with the individual's approval and consent. Let me say that again. A sex therapist and population reduction humanist activist named Dr. Robert Harper told the American Psychological Association in 69, we need to take away the right to reproduce from people, whether it was with their knowledge or consent, approval or consent. Robert Harper is also listed as a member of the SICUS Army of Liberation. SICUS, the Sexuality Information Education Council of the United States. They did the porny kooky sex ed, pornographic sex ed in American public schools that worked together with the UN and with Alfred Kinsey to diddle the kids. Now, listen, when you talk about these admissions that these people were openly saying, right, like taking away the right to reproduce and all this stuff, listen to me very closely. Planned Parenthood board member Paul Ehrlich, remember, we've talked about Paul Ehrlich. He wrote the book, The Population Bomb, in 1968, one year before this Planned Parenthood memo that I told you led to international policy adjustments. Um, <laughs> Paul Ehrlich has publicly recommended sterilizing the masses without their knowledge, sterilizing the masses without their knowledge. Here's what Paul Ehrlich said. 
board member of Planned Parenthood, are you listening? He said, if all, if all of these steps fail to reverse today's population growth, we shall then be faced with some form of compulsory, compulsory birth regulation. We might, he said, institute a system whereby a temporary sterilant would be added to a staple food or to the water supply. And then he says an antidote would have to be taken to permit reproduction. To permit reproduction. The government will own the antidote, but we're going to put a sterilant in your water supply so when you go to get a drink of water in the morning, you're actually making sure you can never have babies. And we, your political betters, will determine if and when you get to have children. Paul Ehrlich, member, board member of Planned Parenthood, author of The Population Bomb, which led to tens of millions of murdered people all around the world because India and China and countries all around the world started freaking out about his political predictions of international chaos given the threat of overpopulation. Now, do you remember one of those recommended measures to reduce the population that I read to you from the Planned Parenthood memo? Do you remember? Compulsory, compulsory sterilization, compulsory abortion, and adding a sterilant to the water supply? That was all on there. Right? Of course, because it was written one year after Paul Ehrlich's book, who says we need to sterilize moms or dads without their knowledge or consent. One year, one year before Planned Parenthood sent Mary Calderon to build Secus, remember? It's funded by Hugh Hefner, all the kooky pornographic sex ed, okay? One year before Planned Parenthood sends their medical director in 64, Mary Calderon, to go build Secus. The Planned Parenthood Federation of America merged with the World Population Emergency Campaign, the World Population Emergency Campaign, an international group with the similar interests. They merge and they call themselves PPWP, Planned Parenthood World Population. Then Planned Parenthood President Alan Guttmacher, who became the president of Planned Parenthood after Margaret Sanger, attended the 1965 United National Population Conference held in Belgrade, Yugoslavia. The president of Planned Parenthood was at the United National Population Conference. Okay, could this be more clear? Shall I continue? <laughs> Here's Planned Parenthood's own stated purpose in 1972. Planned Parenthood's own stated purpose in 72. Quote, to provide leadership in making effective means of voluntary fertility control, including contraception, abortion, and sterilization, available and fully accessible to all, in achieving a U.S. population of stable size in an optimum environment, and to support the efforts of others to achieve similar goals in the United States and throughout the world. It's right there, okay? Fertility control, abortion and sterilization, in achieving a population of stable size. Planned Parenthood is the depopulation movement. Alan Guttmacher, president of Planned Parenthood, spoke even more candidly about population control in an article appearing in the March 1965 issue of Cosmopolitan Magazine. This is a bonkers quote. It's still hard for me to believe this is true. Listen to what, what the president of Planned Parenthood said. He said, quote, we're operating a demonstration program on a world scale or even in the United States. The problem, what problem? Population. The problem is so vast, we can't begin to make progress through individual philanthropic efforts. Governments will have to take over. Yeah, yeah. All the slippery slope con conspiracy theorists are screaming at my podcast right now like, I knew it! <laughs> I knew it! What's he saying? Our philanthropic, individual, marketplace efforts will not do the job. It will not work, says the president of Planned Parenthood in 1965. Governments will have to take over. Guys, you're not a conspiracy theorist for quoting what they say about themselves and their own goals. The plan was clear all along. <laughs> Pave the way. For a totalitarian world government that decides who gets to have kids and who doesn't and how many. It's all in their memo from 1969. Um, now, we've known for centuries at this point that the overpopulation, hysterical predictions of doom were never true. They were never accurate. 
they never represented the real world. We certainly knew this in the 60s and 70s. You just have to do your own research. Dr. Colin Clark of Oxford was a world authority on food resources at the time that these 1968, 1969, you know, uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson, Richard Nixon, Committee on Depopulation and America's Future, you know, Planned Parenthood, American Humanist Association, the Population Council, as they're lying to the American public that we must hand over all our political rights and be told how many children we can have and all this. Uh, Dr. Colin Clark, amongst others, was responding to these lies, was proving the hysterical, frenzied fantasies of progressives false. And he wrote a book called Starvation or Plenty, Starvation or Plenty, in 1970, that potential food resources of the world are sufficient to meet the needs of all many times over, something any good conservative knows today that the potential food resources of the world are sufficient and more than sufficient to meet the needs of all many times over. And this is what he says in his book, Starvation or Plenty. He says, without allowing for any further improvements in agricultural methods or technology, meaning we don't improve at all, assuming we don't improve at all agriculturally or technologically, Dr. Clark said in 1970 that the potential agricultural area of the world could provide for the consumption requirements at contemporary maximum dietary standards of 35.1 billion people over 10 times the present world population in 1970. That the current agricultural area of the world could provide for more than healthy needed diets for 35.1 billion people at that time over 10 times the present world population in 1970 overpopulation there's too many people you're using up all the resources because you're having too many kids and we can't handle or produce what's needed to feed the growing population rate that's never never been true <laughs> planned parenthood has been fundraising for decades off of the myth that there are too many people on planet earth and if you don't give them millions of dollars then their grandchildren will not have an America or world to inherit. Planned Parenthood has been fundraising off of these crackpot theories and lies for decades. Let me prove it to you. A major Planned Parenthood fundraising arm in 1965, it told you everything is between 65 and 70, it seems like. One of Planned Parenthood's fundraising arms was called Victor Bostrom Fund Committee. Victim, Victor Bostrom Fund Committee in 1965. The committee's vice chairman was Stuart Mott, who was also a sponsor of Seekus. <laughs> Why is it that they're always in bed together? Whether it's like the eugenics, some people are unfit to live crap, or it's the too many people on planet Earth crap, or it's the we want to show porn to your kids and incite them to a sexual frenzy through so-called so sex education. They're like all funding all the same stuff. It's all the same funders, all the same donors. They all sit on each other's boards and cite each other as experts. Like, are you sensing what we mean now when we say the Leviathan? Like it was the same beast with different tentacles? <laughs> um, here, here, let me show you what I mean by this. We'll just show you our shirt. You can pick this up at uh, thewhiteroads.life. And our website, um, it really shows how the culture of death works. Um, a member of this committee, this Planned Parenthood fundraising arm, okay, a, a, a member of the committee was Cass Canfield, who was a communist and signer of a 1971 full-page ad in the New York Times urging the formation of a one-world government. Yes, we, this is, okay, this is why I read so widely for you, so you know you're not losing your mind, okay? There was a 1971 full-page ad in the New York Times, 1971, urging, with, with signers, urging the formation of a one-world government to solve the overpopulation crisis, okay? Um, and, uh, Cass Canfield was also the chairman of Planned Parenthood World's Population Executive Committee in 1965, the same year that the Victor Bostrom Fund Committee was fundraising for Planned Parenthood off of the myth of too many people on planet Earth. 
Planned Parenthood had another fundraising arm called the Population Crisis Committee, PCC. The Population Crisis Committee. <laughs> Why is Planned Parenthood launching fundraising arms specifically off of the myth of too many people on planet Earth? Maybe because Planned Parenthood wasn't part of the depopulation movement. Maybe they were the population depopulation movement. Um, also founded in 1965, the Population Crisis Committee was largely financed by the Rockefeller Foundation. Shocker. Its main purpose was raising money for IPPF, the International Planned Parenthood Federation, and has also contributed money to Planned Parenthood World Population and the United Nations for specific birth control projects. Wow. Couldn't have predicted that one. So let's ask an obvious question. Why would an organization called the Population Crisis Committee be so intent on funneling millions to Planned Parenthood unless Planned Parenthood was completely and entirely on the same team and sharing the same goals as the overpopulationists. <laughs> oh, by the way, uh, like most of these multi-million dollar culture of death architectural organizations, Planned Parenthood is also in bed with the United Nations, okay? The, the United Nations... Um, formalized acceptance of their now Promethean character as master planners saving the world from overpopulation can be traced back to 1954, 1954, at a UN population commission where they recommended that every country should have a population policy. The UN population Com commission in 54 recommending every country needs to have a population policy. The historic breakthrough followed largely in 1966 when the full General Assembly of the United Nations adopted a broad resolution authorizing the UN to give assistance in the field of population, okay, 66. Less than a year later in 1967, United Nations Secretary General U. Thant um, and the President of the U.S., LBJ, and 29 other heads of state issued what they called a Declaration on Population, proclaiming fertility control to be a so-called basic human right. Remember, the left calls anything they really want a human right. The, the UN, in 67, proclaimed fertility control to be a new so-called basic human right. And this 1967 declaration was the launching pad for a wave of legislative changes that would ultimately grant governments the authority to control a citizen's right to reproduce. And at the same time, the International Planned Parenthood Federation and Planned Parenthood world population leaders were helping hasten the advent of a global UN-based population program. Do you see, this was always the goal, was to pave the way for a one-world government totalitarian infrastructure to dictate one's right to reproduce. So. An interesting figure kind of rises during this 66, 67 depopulate the earth international agenda named William Draper, um, who was part of the International Planned Parenthood Federation and Planned Parenthood World Population. And William Draper was maneuvered into the strategic position of U.S. representative to the U.N. Population Commission. Okay, And at their 1971 meeting in Geneva, the UN's Population Commission adopted a resolution urging that all member states, quote, cooperate in achieving a substantial reduction of the rate of population growth. Okay, so I, I mean, we have just a little bit more here for you to grasp the picture, but like, I hope you see how intentional all this coordination was from such an early stage. And Planned Parenthood sits right in the in the center of this entire agenda. The commission, the UN's Population Commission, then designated 1974 as World Population Year, inviting all member states to participate in the event. Really interesting. You know, within months of Roe v. Wade, within a year of Roe v. Wade becoming the law of the land, the United Nations declares 1974 as World Population Year. And United Nations Secretary General um, said he was, quote, seeking the widest possible cooperation of non-governmental non organizations, research institutions, and mass communication media, <laughs> activist media, in furthering the objectives of the World Population Year. In other words, we want this agenda, we want the entire liberal establishment 
to help integrate and launch this agenda. Policy is not enough. This needs to become culturally normalized through mass media communications, non-governmental organizations, he says, and research institutions. Follow the science, the research that we're going to give the veneer of scientific credibility to our crackpot theories and lies. Um, and an interesting undertaking of, of IPPF, the International Planned Parenthood Federation, with, it, with the, their United Nations partner was their participation in the United Nations 1972 Conference on the Human Environment. Okay, so, so International Planned Parenthood Federation and the UN at the 1972 United Nations Conference on the Human Environment, which met in Stockholm from June 5th to June 16th. And the right before this conference, um, another crazy leftist said the quiet part out loud. United Nations Secretary General Kurt Waldheim expressed an opinion about what the conference leaders should say and agree on. United Nations Secretary General Kurt Waldheim said right before the conference on the human environment, he said, quote, the conference leaders must surely link the increasing pollution of the world with the increasing population of the planet. So it's human beings' fault. Mother Gaia is so angry at you. It's, it's, it's our fault for having too many people, which leads to more pollution. Therefore, you should have less children or be prevented from having less children. So Planned Parenthood was already well-positioned politically on the world stage to feed children to Witzelapokely from all around the world when Roe v. Wade was legalized one year later in 1973. One year later. That same year, um, leftists from all around the the uh, the world signed Humanist Manifesto Number Two with <laughs> the same year as Roe v. Wade. Humanist Manifesto Number Two, which called for, among other things, a one-world government. You'll notice that all of the radical depopulation apologists all wanted to usher in a one-world government to solve the impending crisis and doom of too many people. And Humanist Manifesto was signed by hundreds of people, including Lester Kirkendall, a, a founding director of CECAS, a Planned Parenthood director of Oregon, and a sexologist weirdo, Betty Friedan, and Planned Parenthood president Alan Guttmacher, urging the creation of a one-world government to solve this problem. Guys, you're not a conspiracy theorist <laughs> for, for reading their own wishes and words back to them. Lastly, just to put the bow on how long this depopulation agenda has been brewing and the fact that Planned Parenthood was the depopulation movement, medical, uh, the, the medical director for the International Planned Parenthood Federation, Malcolm Potts, who I think might still be alive at UC Berkeley, although he'd be very old, the medical director for the International Planned Parenthood Federation in 1982 was Malcolm Potts. And he just he just came right out and said it. He just said, you have to kill babies. You have to have abortions uh -huh, to depopulate the earth. Here's what he said. He said, the fact is that no nation on earth has controlled its fertility without abortion. <laughs> Whoa. He said, the United States has 1.5 million abortions a year. Why should we expect Indonesia, say, to do better. No matter how good the method is, you, you cannot get adequate fertility control without contraception alone. You have got to grapple with sterilizations and abortions. End quote. Malcolm Potts, International Planned Parenthood Federation Medical Director. No nation on earth has controlled its fertility without abortion. Everyone will have to grapple and wrestle with sterilizing the masses, fertility control agents in the waters of urban neighborhoods, as Paul Ehrlich recommended and murdering the babies. Hmm. There's truly nothing new under the sun. And I will end this podcast by saying this is no different than the Aztecs in 1488 at the Temple Mayor at Tenochtitlan, where they ritually sacrificed thousands of people over a four-day period. They sliced the checks of their victims open, they ripped the heart out, and they lifted it up to their sun god, Witzelapokli. There were historical accounts of this. And the Aztecs believed that their sun god, Witzelapokli, was fighting a constant war against darkness. <laughs> and if he ever lost that war, the sun would cease to shine and move across the sky. The world would be plunged into a cold, cold darkness, and everyone would die. 
So Huitzilopochtli required human sacrifice and human blood and murder to satiate him and fund his war against darkness. That sounds like every liberal I know today. <laughs> Who says that there's too many people. And, and your swarming and spawning reproduction is harming the environment, which causes climate change. And if you don't stop soon... The sun will cease to shine and move across the sky. <laughs> the world will be plunged into a cold, cold darkness and everyone will die. So feed us your children, kill the babies so that we can defeat the sun god and satiate his anger at us for reproducing too much. We're just going to have to murder and sacrifice a lot of innocent human beings if the world is going to continue spinning and the sun is going to continue to shine as it was in 1487 at the Temple Mayor. So it is today. And this is why Bernie Sanders, in one of his more honest moments while running for president in 2020, said on national television at the Climate Catastrophe Town Hall, he said one of the solutions to stopping climate change and winning the, the war of eco, eco, the eco, ecological crisis is to fund abortions in poor black countries. He said that on national television because he, like the kooky human sacrifice Aztecs in 1487, believe that you're just going to have to kill a lot of people so the sun god won't be pissed at you and you'll continue to receive warmth on your earth for future generations. Humanism, progressivism, atheism, eugenics, neo-Malthusianism, Kooky worldview, huh? Ideas indeed have consequences and bad ideas have victims. All human conflict is ultimately theological. The sooner you recognize that, the better you and your posterity will be. If you enjoy the show, head on over to iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, Rumble. Rumble. YouTube doesn't like us right now. Give us a rating and review. Subscribe. We really appreciate it. Share this episode with your common sense, fair-minded, pro-choice friends who are willing to have conversations and rethink their ideas, send this to your pastor to understand that the culture war was just a proxy war for the spiritual war. We are booked almost all the way through January of 2024 right now. We're doing our church tour. We're lining up our university tour. If you want to get in touch with us and book us somewhere around the country, go to thewhiterose.life or sethgruber.com if you want to become an ally of the White Rose Resistance to help us rebuild the White Rose Resistance for this generation. Um, against our silent but far more deadly holocaust of abortion before it's too late. Head on over to thewhiterose.life, become a $35 a month ally, and you get access to our donor resistance community of live calls with me, activism training, mobilization, and, and uh, activism assets. And if you join at $70 a month at the White Rose Resistance, you'll join our launching soon Culture War Book Club with yours truly. One book a month, conversations, hang out on Zoom. We'll have a good time and you'll leave like a culture warrior who understands the times and is equipped to tear down these ancient pagan sacraments and sacrifices that we have been tolerating for so long. Guys, thank you for tuning in. Until next week, I'm Seth Gruber and this is Unaborted. <laughs>